Hey, you came back. I have no idea why you did, but damn it, do I love you for coming back. Dan Mahar over there, he is an Ontario Hockey League season ticket holder and prospects writer at recruits.ca. My name is Mike Farwell. This is the OHL podcast. Thanks for being a fan, a listener, a subscriber. Wait a minute. You're not a subscriber yet? Subscribe to this damn podcast right now. Stop this episode. Go back, subscribe, give it a review, a like, whatever. Tell a friend and become one of the many. I think we've got dozens and dozens so far of regular downloading subscribers to this podcast. Let's get dozens and dozens more as the regular season approaches. Dan and I will be bringing you new episodes every Tuesday and every Friday from now until the end of the next Ontario Hockey League season. So if you're looking for OHL news, information, analysis, and just good old-fashioned banter, this is the place you'll find it. Uh, You'll find us electronically via email, ohlpodcast at rogers.com. If there's a guest you want to hear from, let us know there. You want to give us some feedback, good, bad, or otherwise, hey, we're open to that as well. We wanted to talk a little bit about coaches on this episode because there have been some, there has been, as there usually is at the end of one season, turnover for coaches to the next. The one that stands out the most to me, Dan, is Derek Laxtall coming to the Oshawa Generals. Not that he's there because once Todd Miller was turfed last year, you knew Oshawa was in the market, but the pedigree of Derek Laxtall, including the past three seasons as an assistant on Rick Bonus's bench in Dallas, it's a hell of a pedigree for the Oshawa Generals to land in the Ontario Hockey League. Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, I think it's just a really good sign for the league, the health of the OHL. And when you start to attract people with resumes like that and have teams taking it seriously to to give their fans and their kids people like that to learn from, that's a really good sign. Uh, There's a lot of competition now. Uh, There's a lot of vacancies out there uh, across various leagues. These people have opportunities. So to have someone with a resume like that come to the OHL is a, is a really good sign. And particularly for the fans and, and players in Oshawa, that's a storied franchise that has a lot of pride. And I know they're looking to, to step up and compete. And nothing tells your season ticket holders that and potential recruits more than bringing in a pl- uh, person like Laxdale. Am I trying way too hard here if I, if I attempt to make any connection between Pete DeBoer's very tiny minority uh, ownership stake in Oshawa. Look, Roger Hunt knows what he's doing and, and Rocco Tulio, know, they, they know what they're doing. They don't need me to to help out in any way, shape or form. But is is it just because Pete DeBoer takes over in Dallas and, and so, suddenly a former assistant there is the head man in, in Oshawa, a team that Pete DeBoer partly owns? Well, I kind of, there's kind of, there's, there, that's a good link. I mean, obviously Pete DeBoer is a guy that that knows what he's doing, knows what he wants to do. He's never short of, of ideas on how to get there. I think there's a bit of a, a double pronged piece here to running an OHL franchise. You can throw money and talent at the problem and hope it goes away, but just, you really have to know what you're doing too, from the business side and from a team building side. And, and I think Pete DeBoer is pretty well versed on how to do that. So if he's bringing you in, that's gotta be a pretty good sign, uh, sign for your fans. Cause that's a guy as well as you're right, Hunt and Tulio as well. That's all part of that uh, front office, but they, they understand how to build that successfully. So it's not just, oh, let's write a big check to someone and hope this fixes things. It's, it's, there's a plan behind it. And I think that's the most important thing. Yeah. And it's hard to question anything that happens in Oshawa 
one of the proudest and I would say best run organizations in the entire Ontario Hockey League. They certainly know what they're doing. I, I thought it was curious last year, to be honest with you, uh, not just that Todd Miller was dismissed, but the, the way, the timing uh, with which the dismissal came. But nonetheless, clearly there was a plan, the new direction they wanted to go in. And Derek Laxdahl is certainly going to fit that bill. And it'll be really interesting to watch now this general's team in the upcoming season. Uh, slightly connected, just when we're talking about owners and coaches, the part owner is now, again, the coach in Guelph, if I throw Scott Walker's name into this. Does, does it surprise you at all that he's coming back behind the bench? He left it in 2015, just after, of course, the Guelph Storm made a memorable run to the Memorial Cup and came up just short against Edmonton. But now Scott Walker, after George Burnett had arguably a really success, I, I think Guelph may have been a little bit above expectation last year. It, certainly a great start, maybe came back to form in the in the latter part of the season, but still... I would argue uh, above expectations for George Burnett last year with the dual portfolio, he goes back into the general manager's role only and Scott Walker back as a head coach surprises me a teeny bit. What about you? Yeah. I don't, I, I don't know if I'd use the word surprise. I, I, I think you're right. I think Guelph uh, maybe arrived a little bit earlier than people were expecting. They thought it would be a little bit of a rough year last year and and this year and next are kind of what they're targeting, but they were, they were really strong last year another nod uh, to George Burnett, but I, I think he's been around a long time and uh, we've seen it in a few other markets where that, that GM coach role is a lot to handle now. And I think he, he said himself, he was looking to step back a little. And I think part of why he's looking to step back is when you have a guy like Scott Walker willing to come in and do the job for you. And, you know, when you have success in the OHL, it opens doors. And that's what we saw with Scott Walker. He had all kinds of opportunities at the higher level and he took them and, and experimented and whatnot. But I think his roots are in the area. Uh, he's got a lot of family and friends in this area and he, he sees himself in this, uh, in this market. So I think that's good for Guelph. It's, it's a good marriage for Burnett. He can step back a little and focus on the, on the GM role. So I, I think Walker's heart was probably always there and that's going to be a good team. You know what? You just got me thinking of something else and I'm going to throw the wild card at you right now, but the way you describe that uh, makes a ton of sense when it comes to, you know, Walker's desire perhaps to be in the area recognizing after, you know, dipping his toe into other professional coaching ponds or doing whatever he did in, in, in the national hockey league. And then coming back here to, to your original point, when it comes to Derek Laxdahl's hiring in Oshawa, what it might be signaling with the health of the league, Obviously, you're not going to get a Derek Laxdahl on the cheap. I'm not going to claim to know what the salary is, but it's not a it's not a bargain basement price. Let's just put it that way. And I wonder, I mean, George Burnett spent some time out of the Ontario Hockey League, came back to it. Brian Kilray, the, the Ontario Hockey League legend. And of course, modern day, you've got Dale Hunter in London, who has established incredible stability for that Knights organization. And despite not only going to the National Hockey League, but then having success there came right back because it is clear and Dale Hunter has made it clear that the London area and the Ontario Hockey League and the London Knights are home for him. And I'm, I'm wondering, I, I love seeing stuff like this, Dan, because we know that the Ontario Hockey League is a development league for players, for officials, for broadcasters, for coaches. Yeah. And, and when you see some guys, perhaps, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to speak for Scott Walker, but maybe we'll get him on this podcast in the weeks and months ahead and find out if maybe it's just like, you know what? I've played pro. I, I worked in the pros. Being close to home 
in a league that's really competitive, fun to be a part of, make a living. I'm not going to be a multimillionaire, although he probably already is given his pro career, but you know what I mean? It just, I, I like to see that. And, and maybe just maybe this is an indicator that it's a healthy league where you can make a decent living doing something pretty damn cool. Oh, for sure. And I, I think everyone wants to get to the highest level of competition they can. And, and a lot of these guys have sampled the NHL at one level or another as a player, as a coach, you name it. And the Dale Hunter example is great because when he came back to the OHL, obviously he had the ownership stake in London and whatnot. But uh, one of the things he said was you can't beat the fact that it's home. So it's home. It is it is what they're rooted in. But the other, th- the other piece that I think a lot of them don't necessarily say out loud, but is a key factor is just stability. So you look at like when Brian Kilroy went to uh, to the island. Regime change happens a lot quicker in the NHL. You, you don't have the full power that you do in the OHL. And I think these guys are also drawn to that. I'll call it stability, but there's power there as well. And and they can have a lot more say in, in the day-to-day operations as well as the on-ice. And I think it's not a bad gig when you can establish, look at the fan base and the arena that London have and the sponsorships and you name it. It's a pretty healthy financial picture there for them. Pretty good level of hockey, helping a lot of kids develop. He has an extreme level of control. And when you take guys like Scott Walker and these others that have come back to the OHL, odds are they're looking at all those factors and say, you know, it's really not a bad gig when you, all things considered, you can take your chance at the NHL, but one, one regime changes and you tend to go with it. So I think a lot of those factors play in, but it does speak to the health of the league because this is a viable option to that for a lot of these guys. Yeah. And you know, it just makes me think of one more thing because you're around the rinks as much as anybody. And they're almost like mini NHL arenas. We know that the hockey community, and I don't mean that by design. I mean that by the people who are in them all the time, the scouts, the managers, the whomevers from various organizations are always wander just look for them in the black jackets that's how you'll always spot them in every rink everywhere but if if you're a former pro now making a living in the ontario hockey league uh that hockey community it's not like you're in some sort of siberian outpost is what i'm getting at oh no you're gonna get seen uh there's there's so many factors that make this a good spot to be and and they all know it and that's the thing right they're you're not going to pull the wool over anyone's eyes um if if you're in a league or an organization that's not run particularly well, talent's not not necessarily there, they're on a recruitment slide, scouts figure it out pretty quickly. Um, the OHL is, is if anything, uh, heading back uphill on that. So the OHL doesn't matter to the market anymore is a good place to be, and that's recognized, I think, globally in the hockey community. All right. One of the other uh, organizations that has – added a new coach this off season. And this one was also obvious the way things it, it's just, it's just too bad because I'll tell you what the Niagara ice dog still relatively young in its Ontario hockey league history. They've got a fantastic arena there in St. Catharines with the Meridian center. Okay. They've got a pretty passionate fan base. They've built, they really have some great teams that have just not been able to seal the deal, so to speak. But the, the, let's just call it the Burke blow up last year uh, made it obvious that the sale had to happen. I'm glad that it did because you bring in a guy that seems to bring in with him a ton of stability out of Brantford and experience as an owner in hockey. And then he brings with them Daniel Fitzgerald to now be the head coach in Niagara, which again, not a pedigree like a Derek Laxdahl, but for a team in Niagara's position and looks like there's some loyalty being rewarded here. Totally okay with that. 
you see Fitzgerald now get the chance behind the bench with the Ice Dogs. Yeah, and, and no place in the entire league needed a change more than there for for obvious reasons. So I won't I won't delve into the uh, the Burke fiasco, but it, your heart did break for that fan base when you saw what was taking place there because you want to you pay your money for your season tickets, you watch online, whatever you're doing, you want to have this faith that those in charge know what they're doing, are handling things the right way. Clearly was not happening under the Burks. What they needed was a complete change and to reestablish some faith in that fan base. And pretty much all of the signs right now are pointing to this new group knows what they're doing. Made some some nice little subtle tweaks to the on-ice roster, but also the front office, who they've brought in, Fitzgerald. You you name it, everything points to this this group gets it. And I really hope that's that's the case because you're right, that's a community that needs it. They've got a great facility. Things are are going to quickly start to look up for that uh, that team who has not af- not been afraid to take risks to reward the fan base through trades and other things to be competitive. So I think there's a lot a lot there, and this should only help. You know, I know Hamilton's nearby geographically, but really the St. Catharines franchise is the Niagara area franchise. And you and I remember the proud Thunder and Flyers of OHL seasons past in the Ontario Hockey League. Oh, well, on our last podcast, we talked about the various eras in, in Kitchener. And and I think anyone who lived through those 80s, uh, early 90s, will remember the Niagara Falls Thunder being the prime rival for the Kitchener. It sounds hard to believe now when you talk about the Gulf Storm, London Knights, and whomever else. But it was the Niagara Falls Thunder. And you're right, that geographic region of the province has a storied past. You name it, like you, you go to Brian Fogarty, you, you pick your, your name from that era. But... There's a lot to mine there, and I'm glad that they're they're potentially going to get a, a regime that can do that for them again. Yeah, and so St. Catharines as a city carries that banner now in the Ontario Hockey League for the Niagara region as far as I'm concerned. And if I can just quickly be so bold as to tie this Ice Dogs conversation back into our previous podcast as well that just came out this past Tuesday, and that is around hockey culture. I, I would say that this is a pretty good example, and kudos david branch like the guy <laughs> look don't he, he's not afraid to do something as as bold as he has done here with the severe sanctions and suspensions that were handed the burks and the ice dogs organization it basically made this an inevitability but if you want to root out problems this is absolutely a way to do it and now you've put the ice dogs basically by virtue of the penalties you assess to them on the path to a perhaps brighter future yeah, and, and David Branch has been around a long time, and he certainly has his detractors and people who will criticize him, and a lot of it is valid. I'm not going to sit here and say that David Branch has never done anything I wouldn't criticize. But he has always got his eye on the recruitment piece, the business side, and what makes this a strong league. And he has zero tolerance towards anything of this nature that that sullies the reputation of the league, makes it a dangerous league for kids to play in or or show up as a recruit too. So I will give him full credit for, for coming down as hardly as he did, uh, as harshly as he did on the, uh, the Burks and these types of scenarios, because recruitment is everything this day and age for these junior leagues. And you, you can't have that lying beneath the surface where people are questioning is, am I sending my kid to a healthy environment? So with Dave Branch in charge, you got to know that there aren't many leagues that have anyone watching it more closely than him. We talked about the proud franchise that is the Oshawa Generals and their hiring of Derek Laxdahl for the upcoming season. We would be remiss, of course, if we didn't talk about another proud Ontario Hockey League franchise and their hiring 
of a new face, at least as a head coach behind an Ontario Hockey League bench in the form of Chris Dennis. He comes from having been an assistant with Marty Williamson and Barry last year, but the, the resume on this guy who's barely 40 is pretty damned impressive. National Hockey League experience as a video coach, AHL assistant coaching experience. He, he dropped the name Wendell Young when I first talked to him. If you're going to be, if you want to endear yourself to fans in Kitchener, just mention Wendell Young's name, whom Chris Dennis worked with when he was part of the Chicago Wolves organization in the, or yeah, it was Chicago. Well, I was thinking of Rockford, but no, Chicago. Anyway, uh, yeah, so he crossed paths with Wendell Young there and just a, a guy that comes into Kitchener now and giving Mike McKenzie the chance to move back up into the general manager's role. Yeah, and, and if I could switch hats to my season ticket holder hat for a while, I would have to say as a viewing the product that the Kitchener Rangers put on the ice, you, you looked at Mike McKenzie potentially stay, taking a step back and who might be appointed and I think a lot of fans were kind of clamoring for a new face. Let's have a new vision, a new someone that's not familiar, someone that isn't necessarily on the bench currently. And that was not a shot at any of the current assistant or coaching staff. It's it's just you want to sometimes refresh the uh, the organization, the vision, and bring someone in like Chris Dennis certainly sounds on paper. Uh, you already run off the resume. That's the, extremely impressive. He's been in a lot of roles. And anyone who's ever done that video coach role, automatically has somewhat of an eye for breaking down how things happen on the on the ice and con- constructing deconstructing plays for the players to help the development piece so um certainly looks like the right guy for the job and to my eye with not knowing knowing him well at all um certainly kind of mirrors mike mckenzie in some ways in terms of the youthfulness the professionalism how we would like to approach the game and the uh, culture of the organization so it looks like there will be a, a synthesis there um, at that level, and we'll see what we'll see what happens. But I think there's some excitement in the fan base for seeing this uh, this new vision. Well, and I think that's really key. Uh, I'll remind you, Chris Dennis was uh, a guest on a recent episode of the OHL podcast. If you missed it, just go back, take a listen to it. I, you'll find it. One of the first comments I got after that episode was how refreshing it was to hear such a candid conversation because. Chris was just, listen, he'll get more jaded. I will, I promise I'm going to wear him down over time. The poor bugger is going to be so sorry he ever came here. But um, I, I asked him about the pressure of, you know, being the head coach in a market that's, that's kind of restless right now. Let's just be honest about the Kitchener Rangers. It's the team that I cover. It's the city where I live. I hear it. I see it. And if you want to talk about proud franchises, which the Rangers are one, but 2003, is is quite a long time ago since the last Memorial Cup championship. The OHL championship was 2008. So, you know, there's 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 that restlessness. But he didn't describe it as pressure at all. He says he looks more of it. He looks at it as more of a challenge and relishes that opportunity to rise to the challenge as the head coach of this proud franchise, even in front of that restless fan base. Yeah, and and the fan base, it's always hard to gauge the pulse of a fan base because you have a wide range of uh, of opinions, and probably the quickest. What's the uh, the saying? The quickest way to find yourself out of a job is to listen to the fans too much. So, so I hope I hope I hope Chris he understands that. I'm sure that you you have to kind of look at the big picture and the the tenets of success over over time with a franchise in the OHL are things like how are you doing on player recruitment are players wanting to come play for your families buying into what you're selling 
are they seeing some development and players taking that next step? And these are all things that he's going to be able to establish as he goes. And I think the fan base will have to have patience and, and, and give him time to establish that and do that. But I, I think uh, he, he certainly brings that professionalism and that vision to the, to the role where I, I, I'd like to think he's being honest there. He says he doesn't feel that pressure about having to win the more cup next year per se, but, but you want to reestablish, this is a proud franchise with a great fan base and you want to make sure they're competitive or at least semi-competitive pretty much every year, like some other franchises who remain nameless have been able to do. So. <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. Okay. Before we wrap up this episode, let's just take a, a high level look at the league. And I don't mean a team by team analysis. That'll come in the weeks ahead there as we get ready for the regular season. But Dan, as, as fans of the game that, that both you and I are, I mean, I'm a broadcaster, but I'm a fan. I love this game. I think the junior hockey product is terrific. We're, we're going to see training camps open next week. Uh, We're a week to 10 days away from exhibition play happening again. But when I look ahead to the upcoming season, the 22, 23 season, it's going to be normal right? Like air quotes, normal, or just plain old normal. Because when that schedule comes out every June, I, I look right away. Where are the long trips? When are we doing the Eastern swing? There will be Eastern conference competition on the schedule again this year for these Western conference teams. This is a, this is a good feeling at this time of year, isn't it? To feel this normal season ahead of us. It really is. I think, I think fans, people in general need it for a lot of reasons. They need that normalcy to return. Um, but yeah, the the point you made about the Eastern Conference, I, I'm, there's probably nothing I'm personally looking forward to more than seeing the return of interconference play. I think the league really lost something without that, and it was it was it was no one's fault. All the competition you're still seeing was perfectly viable. But there's something to be said for those that once a year trip into the barn in Sudbury and you know in 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 Ottawa and seeing those teams come in and they had some. We, we talked about this off air a while ago, but Shane Wright was tapped to be number one overall for two or three years. And we didn't, didn't come to any of the Western conference arenas last year. So that's, that's a real loss for the league, but you're right. There's a feeling of normalcy setting in. You see them setting their training camp schedules and rosters. They're all looking a lot like they did pre pandemic. And that that's a real positive for fans of this league. All right. He is Dan Mahar. My name is Mike Farwell. This is the OHL podcast. You'll find it wherever you get your podcasts, like subscribe, leave us a review. And if you want more information, you want a topic suggestion, you want a guest suggestion, you want to tell us what you think about us in any way you want. We'll, we'll read, we may not read them all on the podcast. We'll read them. OHL podcast at rogers.com is the email address. Twice weekly episodes are underway as a new season.
I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all had. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.